once we can masterfully operate within this space, we're left with another question. Why the obsession with control? Is it a byproduct of seizing the day and grabbing the bull by its horns? Or is it a desperate attempt to mask insecurities under the guise of being able to have a say in something? What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening to this very special Thanksgiving edition of the Spun Today podcast. I hope you and yours are enjoying the day and hopefully a long weekend. Those of you that aren't because you may have to work, I hope that this episode helps break up the monotony of your day, at least for a little while. This is episode 195 of the Spun Today podcast. It is a free writing session episode. And in this episode, I share my September and October writing stats, a writing tip that I picked up along the way, and I tell you about what I've been reading. I also read and reflect on a free writing piece of mine, which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing. I will also link to that direct post and all those other goodies in the episode notes as always. But first, before we get into the show, here is a very quick way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast, if you so choose. Doing so will help me free up time to ultimately create more episodes and content. And if you're listening to this, I call that a win-win. Here are a couple ways that you can help out and show your support. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. My writing stats. As you all know, if you listen to free writing session episodes, this is where I break down how many days out of each month I actually wrote or worked on the craft, if you will. For September 2021, I stepped it up a bit. I wrote 20 out of the 30 days of the month for a writing percentage of 66.7%. I'm not mad at that. It's pretty good. For the following month, October 2021, I dropped down a bit to around my usual average in the 50% range. I wrote 15 out of the 31 days of the month for a writing percentage of 48.4%. And this, guys, to me is a dope tool, a dope way to keep track of whatever it is that, that you're into, right? Whether for me, it's writing, obviously. But whatever it is that you're into, um, just for tracking purposes, writing stuff down, being able to see it kind of keep yourself honest. Because if you ask me today, how many days did you write out of the month of October or September? I wouldn't know. But because I write it down, because I reflect on it, because I track it, I was able to see that I think August, I had like a steep drop off. And again, when you're so close to it, you don't realize that necessarily, like how steep that drop off is. And I knew I had to step up my my game for September and I did so. um, And that was triggered directly from just keeping a daily log of days that I write versus days that I don't write and then reflecting on it on these free writing session episodes of the podcast. I know I sound like a broken record when I say those things, but just in case there's any uh, new listeners that this is the first episode that you listen to, just a little gem to take away. I truly do think it's really important. So apologies to my day ones that have heard that before. Alrighty, on to this episode's writing tip. So it's pretty cool. It was a pretty cool 
serendipitous way that I came across this writing tip. I started using a service called Later, later later.com. Well, Later is similar to Buffer. I use Buffer as well. And Buffer was the first one of these like social media marketing uh, or like posting helping tools um, where you can pretty much prep posts in advance. So you can schedule, you know, set up a whole bunch of uh, posts for all the different social media sites at the same time, you know, post to Twitter, post to IG, Facebook, etc. You know, you can set, set up your post for the week, for the month, whatever. And I use Buffer for that. And then I came across another site that does like the same thing, their version of, called Later.com. I've used Buffer for a few years. Later, I, I just started using, um, been using it for a couple of weeks, but I really like their like calendar view where you can like see the posts like on an actual calendar and, you know, set up a post for, you know, Tuesday at 3 p.m. and set up another one for 6 p.m., set up one for Wednesday at 9, you know, et cetera. And I heard of later on Podspike, podspike.com. For those of you that don't know, it's, uh, they call themselves like a podcast clinic. They actually featured my show, the Sponsor Day Podcast, uh, recently in a newsletter of theirs. And what they do is every, I think it's uh, weekly or maybe monthly, they'll pick a podcast to give like a free consultation on. And give you like five different things that you can work on, things that they like, things that you can improve on, et cetera. And they gave me a great advice that I'll be implementing on the show in terms of tips for growing your audience, places to like promote the podcast or how to post on, you know, different ways to strategies rather to post on like social media, tips on your logo design, some of which I'll be implementing. So stay tuned for that different things to say or focus on during like your call to action. Like when I tell you guys in the beginning of this episode to, you know, ways to support the show, et cetera, like stuff like that. And they call it a free health check. It's something I submitted for. Um, I think I saw it on the pod news, uh, newsletter, which is an amazing resource. Um, and I'll link to all this stuff in the episode notes actually. So you guys don't have to remember buffer later pod spike and pod news, all stuff you guys should check out, especially if you're into podcasting. And anyway, they did a, they recently did a health check on me, but before that they did a health check on a different episode. And what's cool is that you can read the health check for the different episodes and you'd be like, oh shit, I could use that. That's a, you know, good advice. I could use that to implement on my show, et cetera. So it doesn't have to be directly on your show. And you could also like pay for them to do like an actual health check for your show if you want to. But I looked out and, um, you know, submitted for it a few weeks ago and they decided to pick my show anyway through one of the health checks that they did for another show they mentioned like this social media like posting thing that the person should uh post more on social media for their show you know their services out there and that's what i was already you know doing for buffer but they mentioned this site called later and i was like oh shit let me check that out i checked out later's website this is a very long-winded way to let you guys know how i serendipitous serendipitous blah, 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 serendipitously stumbled upon this episode's writing tip <laughs> so all that was to get to here um, very long-winded. Good job. So I started using the site later.com. You know, I go in my browser when I on a random day that I was gonna like try it and post some stuff. And I typed in later and something else popped up. And but I clicked enter like out of habit and it took me to a site called lateralaction.com. And it took me directly to like a post on their website called Mind Mapping. And I started reading and I was like, oh shit, this is like writing related. Let me like read this post. And I did. And it was dope. And that is the writing tip that I'm going to share with you guys now. And as always, I will link to it in the episode notes. So mind mapping, and you guys should definitely click on the link in the episode notes to go to the direct post. Uh, The post is called, it's called uh, Lesson 5, The Four Most Powerful Types of Creative Thinking. Number two is the mind mapping section. But the reason why I want you guys to, to go check it out is so you can see the diagram of the mind mapping that they have like a photo of. And aside from reading all the details, when I saw it, it helped like crystallize everything for me and make it all make sense. So if you're a visual person like I am with a lot of things, then it'll definitely be helpful to check out. But yeah, I'm going to read to you guys the excerpt from that section for this episode's writing tip. And it says, quote, when you make notes or draft ideas in conventional linear form using sentences or bullet points that follow on from each other in a sequence, it's easy to get stuck because you are trying to do two things at once. 
one, get the ideas down on paper, and two, arrange them into a logical sequence. And I do that all the time, by the way. I'm a like a checklist writer person, whether it comes to stories, whether it comes to just like tasks for the day. So I that's like my default. That's what like I fall on. And it's sure I never thought of it that way. You're, you're technically trying to do two things at the same time, which is get the ideas down on paper, one, and then arrange them into logical sequence. And a lot of times, like I'll think of like, you know, a ton of different things at once and I'll start writing them down, but I'm trying to write them down in the specific order that I thought them. And then I'll forget like the fourth thing that I was thinking about because I was going in that specific order. Anyway, that's just a quick aside. Continuing on, the article says, mind, ma- mind mapping sidesteps this problem by allowing you to write ideas down in an associative organic pattern, starting with a key concept in the center of the page and radiating out in all directions using lines to connect related ideas. It's easier to, quote, splurge ideas onto the page without having to arrange them all neatly in sequence. And yet, an order or pattern does emerge in the lines connecting related ideas together in clusters. And that's what the image that I'm telling you guys to go check out, which again is linked to in the episode notes, that's what is illustrated in the image like so perfectly. But let me continue on. Because it involves both words and a visual layout, it has been claimed that mind mapping engages both the left and right hemispheres of the brain, leading to a more holistic and imaginative style of thinking. A mind map can also aid learning by showing the relationships between different concepts and making them easier to memorize. I don't know about that left brain, right brain stuff, but if true, then cool. Bonus, right? Then the article goes on to say, visual approaches to generating and organizing ideas have been used for centuries, and some pages of Leonardo da Vinci's notebooks are often cited as the inspiration for modern mind maps. Tony Buzon is the leading authority on mind mapping. Among his tips for getting the most out of the technique are, one, start in the center of the page. Two, the lines should be connected and radiate out from the central concept. Three, use different colors for different branches of the mind map. And four, use images and symbols to bring the concepts to life and make them easier to remember. And then finally, then it goes on to a link to Tony Buzon's website and says, uh, for more tips on mind mapping, as well as books and software tools, visit Tony Buzon's website. That's pretty dope, right? I'm actually looking forward to trying this out, planning to trying this out during this long weekend to see if it helps me get things going with my second novel, The Continuation to Fractal, which, as you all know, if you listen to the Sponsor Day podcast, I've been stuck on for a while. But yeah, definitely check out the post. There's a, you know, four four other sections uh, to that post. This is just the second section, mind mapping. And the title of the post is Lesson 5, The Four Most Powerful Types of Creative Thinking. And it's from the Lateral Action website, which will be linked to in the episode notes. Check it out. What I've been reading. I've been reading How to Market a Book, 3rd Edition, which is part of the Books for Writers series by Joanna Penn. Joanna Penn is an author. She's also a podcaster. I've mentioned and plugged her tons of times here on the Spun Today podcast. So if you're a listener of the show, you're very familiar. From like the writing facet of what I do, she's definitely like the North Star when it comes to my like self-publishing and marketing and like tips. And I picked up so much from her podcast, The Creative Pen, as well as her website and just her interviews with other authors, etc. She's an amazing resource you guys should definitely check out. I will link to her website in the episode notes, as well as her book, How to Market a Book, 3rd Edition, which I just finished reading. And here is the official synopsis, which actually gives a nice background of her, along with a bunch of other things. So I'll give you guys that first, before jumping to my uh, specific takeaways from the book. And again, she... Is someone that I've been following for years. So some of the things that were in the book, I may not have highlighted in terms of like, you know, key takeaways for myself because they're, they're things that I've heard from her before, learned from her before. And, you know, either I haven't in practice already 
so definitely don't think that just my takeaways are like the only things that you guys would get from it because there's like a ton of other stuff and also what's relevant for me might not be relevant for everyone right everybody takes away different things from different experiences different movies different books etc but here is the official synopsis and it goes do you want to sell more books and reach more readers do you want to discover how to build an author career for the long term as well as spike your book sales right now if you don't know much about marketing don't worry we all start with nothing I'm Joanna Penn, and back in 2008, I had no book sales, no audience, no website, no social media, no podcast, no email list. No, nothing. Now I'm a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of thrillers and nonfiction. My books have sold over 500,000 copies in 158 countries, and I'm an award-winning creative entrepreneur and international speaker, making a multi-six-figure income with my writing. Learning how to market my books and my personal brand changed my life. Yes, you need to write an awesome book, but you also need to know how to get it in front of the right readers. How to market a book is for authors who want to sell more books, but also for those writers who want to think like an entrepreneur and build a long-term income. It's for traditionally published authors who want to take control of their future and for self-published authors who want to jumpstart a career. There are short-term tactics for those who want to boost immediate sales, but the focus of the book is more about instilling values and marketing principles that will help your long-term career as a writer. It's also about going beyond just the book because these methods can take you from being an author into making money from other products, professional speaking, and creative opportunities that you can't even imagine yet. In this completely updated third edition, you'll discover part one, marketing principles, which are book marketing myths, how discoverability works, and the polarities of marketing that will determine what you choose to implement. Part two, your book fundamentals, which are prerequisites for success, how to optimize your book for online sales, categories and keywords, exclusivity, pricing, and use of free box sets and bundling and writing a series. Part three, no platform needed, short-term marketing, which consists of how to get customer reviews and find book bloggers, paid advertising with email blasts, paid advertising with Facebook, Amazon ads, and ad stacking, algorithm hacking, big data, and production speed. Part four is your author platform, long-term marketing, which consists of building an author brand, author website, list building and email marketing content, marketing, blogging, audio and podcasting, video and book trailers, social networking, professional speaking, marketing audiobooks, PR and publicity, TV, radio, and traditional media. Part five is launching your book, which consists of why launching is different for indie authors, soft launch, launch spikes, post launch, how to relaunch backlist books, It includes an example book marketing strategy and launch plan checklist. Then it goes on to list several other books within the Books for Writers series that Joanna Penn has written. All right, so I'm going to share some of my main takeaways from reading this book. I actually didn't read a physical copy for this one. It was uh, the audiobook. And what I do when I listen to audiobooks is use audibles like clip and notes function, which is really cool. You know, as you're listening, you can save a clip and then add like your own personal notes to it. And I pretty much like paraphrase or like write about the clip that I just heard or something like that. And that's what I'm gonna share with you guys. So here we go. The first clip that I wrote to uh, was this. Uh, Define what your type of success will be and be clear about your goal because it will help identify how you spend your money and time in relation to marketing. For example, do you want to be a New York Times bestselling author? If so, then you need a large base of customers and promotions via launch spikes. And that's where your focus should be for that specific goal. Do you want your book on local bookshelves? That's possible by publishing through Ingram Spark, which has its like distribution network with, you know, local bookstores and stuff like that. Do you want consistent monthly revenue? Then your focus should be on building a satisfied customer base that is waiting for you to publish so that they can purchase your books. The next gem that I saved was write what you love, 
which is something that we hear a lot, right? Different, you know, writers, like all the successful writers and stuff like that, all the anomalies, like they, that's like one of their common pieces of advice, which is, you know, write what you love as opposed to writing to a specific market. But she goes on to say, write what you love. First, write the book you want to write. And when it's finished, then figure out how to market it because you could market what you love. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be the other way around. It doesn't have to be figure out what the market likes and then, you know, write a book about that. Although if you want to go that way, that's obviously a way to do it. The next thing I jotted down, which was really interesting, was push marketing versus pull marketing. Push marketing is when you push your book in front of people through paid advertising. Pull marketing is when you create content or value and attract customers to you and your work. So examples of that would be, like she said, for like push marketing would be like, you know, you literally buy like Facebook or Amazon ads and stuff like that and get your book in front of the eyeballs of people. Um, whereas pull marketing would be, you know, doing a podcast like this and trying to get you guys to like be interested in my points of view on things. And maybe some of you might be like, hey, you know what, let me let me check out Tony's books that he wrote. So a podcast is a form of pull marketing within, you know, the writing space. Aside from it also being content in and of itself. All right. The next gem I jotted down was there's no magic bullet when it comes to marketing. So you should market in a way that works for you and your book at that specific time. So treat pull and push marketing as like two sliding levers that you adjust as needed. And this next one I jotted down because it's so true. Definitely resonated with me, which is the work of an author is not a nine to five experience that you can drop when you get home that to-do list is never empty. There's a myriad of marketing ideas and there's always a stream of thoughts that you want to write down. And the next one I wrote, this is for the previous note. I guess that that was like a note to self. (laughs) So, So it's important to always come back to why you do this and remind yourself what you are willing to give up in order to be a writer. This next one is a great one, a very practical that... I definitely plan on implementing for the the next book, which is find your target target audience. There's a few different ways to do this. And she gives a pretty practical way, which is find comparable authors. And you do this by like when you go on uh, Amazon, for example, and look at a book, it says, you know, other authors you might be interested in or, or similar books to this, blah, blah, blah. You know, take note of those. And she says, try to find a few authors that you can compare your book to or a few books that you can uh, compare your books to. So for example, like uh, Dan Brown meets Back to the Future or something like that. Also keep a copy of those like books and those covers and the back uh, page blurbs, which can help you when you're creating your book cover and your back page blurbs, because you want it to be within the same vein, right? You don't want to write a fantasy book that has like a pink cover with a couple kissing in front of it. Like that's not for that genre, you know what I mean? But that's a pretty cool way to go about it. I thought, you know, leverage that section within Amazon and literally take the books that the algorithms are aggregating for a reason because the people that do buy this book also buy, you know, these other ones. And you kind of start forming your niche customer base that way and seeing what they like, what they don't like, etc. And this is one I, I've heard before and I try to, you know, do in practice, but it's an oldie but a goodie, as they say which is make the first sentence in your book stand out. Make it a powerful sentence. Also a good idea to try and do this with the beginning of each chapter. I mean, obviously we all want like each and every word that we write to be the perfect word that every single reader reads and loves the moment they read it, right? But realistically what this piece of advice is saying is, you know, use that first sentence or two to like really hook the reader, like grab their attention. Oh, she mentioned a site that I actually just reading this note now is reminding me to to check it out. I haven't checked it out yet, but I wrote it down so that I can check it out, which is Klytics. And I put in parentheses, probably spelled with a K. Um, And it's a genre tool that has genre reports and also helps with keywords and comparison authors, etc. And I actually just paused and looked it up and it is K-Lytics, L-Y-T-I-C-S dot com. And I will link to it in the episode notes. Definitely something I'm going to check out as well. Uh, This is another piece of practical advice in terms of 
just formatting uh, for e ebooks uh, specifically. She says that italics are harder to read within ebooks, so don't go crazy with them, which is like a good note to self. I know in my uh, debut novel, Fractal, I used the style of using uh, italics whenever there were like flashback scenes, of which I had quite a few. So definitely good to know. When I did do my own like checking of the how the quality was going to look uh, in ebook reader wise, I did check like iBooks and also there's like the Kindle like app tool that you can like download on your phone or on the computer. And I checked that and it didn't look that bad. But, you know, maybe other e-readers, it is like a bitch to read. She mentioned the service Vellum, which I haven't. I have it like on my to do list to check out. I'm just like not there yet. And she's mentioned it several times in terms of just like uh, producing like quality like books and formatting and stuff like that. I just use like the all-in-one like Scrivener as my like writing platform and also my formatting and stuff like that. But she did mention that using Vellum, you can create, you can easily create box sets. So when I get to that point of, you know, when I finish the second and third uh, book in the Fractal series, it's definitely on my to-do list to check out. So Vellum v-e-l-l-u-m is definitely a service to check out and i will link to it in the episode notes as well for your checking out pleasure and here's some like more practical uh marketing advice which is uh have a separate book cover created for the box set and get a 3d and flat version of it which is true like the 3d version of like a uh, cover art looks dope with like ads and you know if it's a, like a box set an email blast or like things like that but like the flat versions are better more practical on actual or actually i don't even think that they give you the option you have to use like the flat version for like amazon and barnes and noble and you know like the different sites that are going to sell your book now this next one was pretty cool which i didn't know was a thing uh but definitely good to know uh which is you can use your email list to create like a subset of readers that you're willing that are willing to review your book on launch like as soon as you launch it um, because there's a, a time period where the more reviews you get pretty much like within the first like day or two of your like book being released or first few days, rather the better your book charts. I don't know exactly how it works, but the more reviews, the sooner, the better, you know, compiling your email list to a group that is willing to do that is, is clutch obviously. But I like this next part, which I didn't uh, know was a thing, which is that you can give them ARCs, which are advanced reader copies, in exchange for like asking them to review on Amazon. And if they do, all they need to do, because you know it's not uh, an Amazon confirmed purchase because they didn't like purchase it through Amazon. So Amazon sometimes like takes off those reviews, like their their algorithms will. Like if your brother or your friend or whoever like reviews a book for you, but you gave them the book for free, it's not going to show up. But if they do um, add a little statement stating I received an ARC from the author and these opinions are my own. It's kind of like a little disclaimer. Then the review will be acceptable and won't be flagged and taken down by Amazon. So it's definitely uh, good to know. She also says from a financial perspective, don't expect a positive return on investment from advertising during the week of advertising. Uh, sometimes even when you have a negative return, you have to factor in the future sales of the book to new readers, which should more than offset the costs. The next piece of advice that I wrote down was when you run multiple ads, consider using tracking links where possible so that you can see which one has been the most effective. And then, you know, at that point, you can make a decision to like double down on that ad versus the other one, etc. She mentioned, uh, consider buying the URL for your name. Um, and if that's not available, then for your name and then author at the end of it and having it redirect to whatever website that you have going on. So you guys know my website is spuntoday.com. But on that advice, I also purchased tonyortizauthor.com, which just redirects to my writing pages within spuntoday.com. And it's fairly inexpensive uh, to do that. So that was like a no-brainer and something that I didn't even like think of before, but definitely a, a good to have, especially if I want to like spin it off one day and do just like an author-only website, etc. She mentioned that sites like Insta Freebie can be a source to grow your email list. I have not used that, but might be worth checking out. 
I like this piece of advice that I could definitely use in terms of like headline writing and stuff like that. Not to create like gotcha clickbait type stuff, but just reframing, you know, certain topics and, and things from the perspective of the reader as opposed to from your perspective as the writer. So like like my free writing posts and stuff like that within my website. Um, she says, make headlines on your website more about the reader than you. Make them want to read past the headline. For example, instead of my day at the museum as a title, use three things you can learn about creativity from the museum. She spoke a bit about uh, book trailers and creating them yourself or getting a, a professional to create it. And she gave some examples on her website, for example, with her desecration series. And you can see that at thecreativepen.com forward slash desecration trailer. I should create a book trailer for Fractal, which I don't think I ever did. There'll be good, um, good content, good promo for it. I actually created an audio only trailer for one of my short stories, which I actually had fun doing. And this is just like reminding me of it. It was like years ago. It was for my uh, lecture hall uh, short story, which you guys can read and check out at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories forward slash lecture hall if you're interested. But yeah, it was like cheesy, but I thought kind of good too <laughs> in a weird way. I got to see if I can find that and dig it up. It's probably on my YouTube somewhere, my YouTube channel. And I think I released it as one of like the in-between episodes or something like that uh, on the podcast. Oh, this was a, a cool one that I didn't even consider, like from a business move perspective, which is when you have your audiobook out, use a spike marketing program like BookBub to promote your ebook. And BookBub, got, BookBub I've used in the past. And by spike marketing, it just means like a, it's like a one-time email blast that you pay for. And it's a company has like 200,000 subscribers to, you know, specific genres, like 200,000 subscribers that are just into like, science fiction books so they get email blasts like on a daily basis and any books within that email blast that they find interesting you know they buy it or download it if you have it for free and that's what a spike marketing program is and you know people do it a lot like around launch time and stuff like that when they're book when their book first debuts etc this is something that i didn't consider but it's a good idea which is use the spike marketing program like bookbub to promote your ebook listeners of audiobooks get discounts on the audiobook after they own the the ebook so they often download like free ebooks and or buy them cheap just so they can get the discount on the audiobook and that's like a cool like listener hack for those of you out there that listen to audiobooks myself included you know if you download like a free ebook or get it on promotion for like 99 cents and you might get like 50% off the audiobook or something like that. You know what I mean? Then another good takeaway was, and we kind of touched on this before with like different uh, book distributors, but it's that uh, booksellers often prefer to go through a book distributor uh, to purchase your book in order to sell it. For example, they rather deal with one distributor and buy a bunch of different books and be invoiced once as opposed to having to buy a bunch of different books from individual authors being invoiced a bunch of different times that way. You know, it's more convenient for them to, you know, if you sign up with the distributor, which you can, and like submit your books to a distributor that works with like libraries, different bookstores, etc. And you can obviously go out on a one-for-one -one basis, but from the point of view of the actual booksellers, she's highlighting that mentality of them not wanting to deal with a thousand different authors. They'd rather just deal with one book distributor and buy through them the thousand different copies or thousand different books of different authors. And I just got a couple more, which are think of a press release as a story hook sent to the right person at the right time. And then the last piece of advice that I'll share, which is her quoting Chris Fox which is marketing is finding people that want to buy what you're selling and then making sure they know it exists. And that, boys and girls, is my feedback and review on how to market a book by Joanna Penn. It was very helpful to me. I recommend you guys check it out. And again, remember, I just took and jotted down like the takeaways that were applicable to me, but there's like a bunch of, of other tools and tips and takeaways within the book that I just may have already known 
from either other books or listening to Joanna Penn's website and her interviews and stuff like that and combing through her website with a ton of free information that she gives out. And that's probably why I just didn't jot it down. But you guys should definitely check out the whole book for its full context and so that you can get the most out of it. Again, that was How to Market a Book by Joanna Penn. Check it out. Now, the next free writing piece that I want to share with you guys is a pretty cool one, a pretty interesting one, if I do say so myself. Not from like the content perspective, I'm not like patting myself on, on the back, like, oh, you're a dope writer. But from the perspective of, I, I mentioned to you guys in the past, one of my like free writing exercises that I do is like if I hear a quote in a movie or a song or uh, read a quote in a book or a piece of dialogue, whatever, something that resonates with me, I'll jot it down and then I'll free write and do some free association writing based on that. You know, sometimes I do it without like a quote or direct inspiration, but sometimes something resonates so much that I'm like, damn, that's dope. I want to write that down. And then I just want to like expound on it in my mind, you know, like mull it over to think about it, apply it to my own life and see, see what comes out. And I do that a lot. And in researching for this episode and by research, I mean like going through my notebooks of like handwritten, like free writing, I found a piece that I hadn't posted to the website yet. Then, and it was, you know, based on a specific quote from Outcast, the Miss Jackson song, which is, you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. And then I found on my phone in Scrivener, uh, which is where, where I write as well, a second free writing piece based off that same quote that I wrote on my phone almost a full year apart. And I just found it interesting that one, that's the first time I've done that because usually like I'll just like write to a quote once. Um, maybe I have gone back like once or twice, but usually not. But it was cool that I did that even though it was, uh, it was technically like by mistake. I just thought I like hadn't written to that because I, I kind of like I'll write down a quote and say, okay, come back to this later and write to it. But it was cool in the sense that it kind of like unlocked that. Oh, yeah. You know, why not go back to like old quotes they wrote about and, you know, write about them again and, you know, see how you interface with that quote now, you know, how you are now, how you exist now versus, you know, a year ago or two or three or five or six years ago. So what I did was post both of the free writing pieces on my website, spuntoday.com forward slash free writing forward slash Miss Jackson. And I will link to it directly in the episode notes, but that's where you can find it if you want to read along. And I split it up as a first piece which is the first writing piece, and the second writing piece. The quote again is, you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. And it's by Outcast in the Miss Jackson song. In the first piece, I wrote, here's to all you control freaks out there, myself included. You can only influence what is in your power, the things within your orbit. But there are forces at play in this experience we call life that we don't now nor never will have the ability to control, to determine in advance, to predict. Does that mean you should stop planning those pretty picnics in lieu of the possibility of a thunderstorm raining on your expectations? I don't think so. But don't be naive enough to not be aware of the possibility. Think through it and adapt. Your reaction to the thunderstorm is still very much so under your control. So plan your pretty picnics but pack umbrellas just in case you have the opportunity to appreciate the rain. And I wrote that on Saturday, January 30th, 2021 at 12.15 a.m. Now, almost 10 months later in this month, in November, earlier this month, as I started going back uh, to work to the 9 to 5, a couple days a week, I was on the subway, saw this quote that I had jotted down, forgot that I wrote about it almost a year before, and just felt like writing on the train. And the quote again is, you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. And here's what I wrote the second time around. Some things are within your control and some things aren't. The question ultimately becomes then, how do we know what is controllable? Knowing this will aid in freeing us from the gut-wrenching despair of trying to steer an uncontrollable situation. It'll aid us in eliminating the noise and allowing us to focus on what would yield results from doing so? Once we can masterfully operate within this space, we're left with another question. 
why the obsession with control? Is it a byproduct of seizing the day and grabbing the bull by its horns? Or is it a desperate attempt to mask insecurities under the guise of being able to have a say in something? I like to think that controlling what can be controlled, or better said, organizing and executing, is a pathway to fulfillment. It definitely is in the short term, like when you're checking a task off a list. But I think and hope it to be in the long term as well. Fulfillment and realization built off of disciplined execution of the destiny you set out to take control of. But you must master that dance. You have to become able to decipher between the picnics and weather conditions of life. And I wrote that on Tuesday, November 9th, 2021 at 8.19 a.m. Now to reflect on this. So clearly I'm a control freak. And I know it to be and can objectively say, you know, it's a central tension of my existence, of my life. And these pieces are both speaking to that in similar but different ways. Where the first piece is more, at least in my, like, reflecting on it now, the way I'm reading it, is it's more of an understanding of, you know, so you can control some things, you can't control others. There's no two ways about it. And there's a sense of kind of, like, being okay with that within the first piece, but still holding on to, like, a semblance of what can be controlled, which objectively seems kind of healthy, at least that piece of it, <laughs> um, which is controlling your reaction to thunderstorms, to situations. When things go left, not flipping out about it. So that's kind of what I see myself meaning by that last piece of it, which is don't be naive enough to not be aware of the possibility and think through it and adapt and that your reaction to the thunderstorm is still very much within your control. So you can still plan the pretty picnics, but pack umbrellas just in case, as opposed to taking a, ah, fuck this, I can't control anything, you know, fuck everything type of approach. Or as opposed to saying, okay, I'm going to plan this and it's going to go perfectly and there's going to be no curveballs and being naive in that way. And then when there is a curveball, you're like, oh, fuck, everything went to shit. Fuck this. And I also like the way I ended that first piece, which is in case you have the opportunity to appreciate the rain. Because some people like the rain. I like the fucking rain, actually. You know what I mean? It's uh, kind of ironic within that piece, but still, I like the ending on an ironic note. Now, the second piece is also conceding that you know some things are within your control some things are not be okay with it but kind of like looking for a hack to figure out what things are controllable or not which is like the um, like the third or fourth sentence where where i say knowing this will aid in freeing us from the gut-wrenching despair of trying to steer an uncontrollable situation which it is how it feels for some of us, I guess, for some, if any of you are sick in the head like I am when it comes to shit like this, when you're trying to control something that's uncontrollable. But it's funny because like the focus of the piece is like, all right, all right, all right, I get it. Some shit you can control, some shit you can't. So just like figure out a way to identify all the stuff that's not controllable so you can shift your focus to all the controllable stuff and control the fuck out of it. <laughs> and like that's what I'm referring to when it comes to the once we can masterfully operate within this space we're left with another question which is why the obsession with control in the first place and i liked diving into that a bit which was trying to identify why why that obsession exists why that is asking you know is it a byproduct of like seizing the day and grabbing the bull by its horns you know what i mean like is that that control aspect something that manifests when you set out to do something to accomplish something because the controlling of the parameters that will allow you to fulfill that something that you set out to do is essentially you controlling that situation but is that why i don't know and i like how i wrote the flip side of that which is or is it just a desperate attempt to mask insecurities under the guise of being able to have a say in something is control just a projection of insecurities of being afraid to lose control to not have control to not have a say very well could be as well maybe it's a combination of both i don't know let me know what you guys think again that free writing piece i will link to in the episode notes 
It's titled Miss Jackson Outcast. And I posted it on my website on November 22nd, 2021. If you just want to navigate to it, it can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash freewriting forward slash Miss Jackson, Miss hyphen Jackson. So feel free to check it out and let me know what you guys think. And that, folks, was episode 195 of the Sponsor Day podcast, likely the last free writing session episode of the year. I appreciate the fuck out of each and every one of you that listened. For those of you creatives out there, I hope you gained something, some sort of takeaway from the show. I would really appreciate it if you stuck around for just two or three more minutes to listen to a bunch of different ways you can help support the Sponsor Day podcast if you so choose. If you do choose to, it would be very helpful in terms of freeing up my time to be able to create more episodes, more content, write more books, etc., etc., etc. If you're listening to this Thanksgiving episode on Thanksgiving or shortly thereafter, I hope you are having or had a good one with you and yours. Make sure not to trample over anybody during the uh, Black Friday sales and stay safe out there. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors and all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today, and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Spun Today newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week 
And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week so that you can step up your vocab. Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support, click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find the five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? SpunToday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.